Okay, good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. Eastern uh, Mindset Call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central, and 4 a.m. Pacific Time. And on this call, we talk about mindset. We talk about uh, mental toughness. We talk about success. We talk about failure. We talk about uh, all kind of things that go hand-in-hand to what you do on a daily basis because this information can be used on your job, um, at your business, on your business, and also in your life, so uh, relationships. So if you take this information and use it, it can help you. Now, it's a process. It means you got to uh, listen to it over and over. You have to um, learn it, teach it, do things like that um, to help you uh, really understand it and get the message out. Because what we're doing is re- we're unlearning some things and relearning some things. So that's what we do. We also put this on a podcast platform so you'll be able to go to Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, a number of platforms, and just put in Tony Fleming, ask for uh, Tony Fleming Mindset, and it'll come up. And so you can listen to all the, the ones we have. We got close to 400 up there now. That's amazing how we got that number up like that just by – doing call after call after call after call. So, and we also have a replay number, which is 712-432-1085, 712-432-1085, same pin code, 783357-POUND. So as y'all can probably tell, my voice is almost gone. It's coming in and out. Um had a, a terrible sinus attack this weekend. And I'm battling it. And I'm battling that sinus attack right now. It hit me like Mike Tyson and brought me down to my knees. But I'm getting back up slowly, and I'm about to. I'm about to bust a Douglas him. I'm about. To, <laughs> y'all remember Mike knocked Buster Douglas down, and folks thought it was over with. But when Buster got back up, it was over. It was over with for Mike. So. I'm slowly getting back up now, and look out. Coming for the, swinging for the gates, folks. But uh, since my voice is what it is, I'm going to play another clip this morning of Mr. Lewis because we got about 12 of them, and we still hadn't played number one. I've been saving that for one particular reason. And now we got we still got clips number uh, 10 through 12, which is three. Um, actually, I'm going to play some of it this morning and uh, at the end, you know, stop it. Maybe ask, answer a few questions. If you got any questions during the time that he's talking, just text me at 678-644-4541, 678-644-4541. And if there's anybody new on here that hadn't heard of uh, Mr. Lewis Fields, um, he's a guy that I uh, actually uh, found uh, in the Ohio State prison system. I was looking to get some books in at the time into the system, and, and somebody referred me to Lou. And I think we became partners over the phone for the last two years, just kind of listening to him. He's currently out, and he won't go back. No, he's not. He's going not going back. Did 22 years. Uh, had a um, bad drug deal, Go, you know, drug deal that went bad. Uh, he was 19, I think the guy was 18, and Lewis wound up shooting him. The guy died, and so he spent 
some years behind bars. But this is his transformation talk. You know, as I was talking to him, I could tell, you know, the books that he's read and the things that he was doing in his life to transform, which a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't transform. They just lay there and do their time and, you know, walk back out of there the same way they went in. Uh, but not Mr. Lewis Fields. He changed totally. So, uh, for people new, uh, you trying to figure out what, that's what you're about to hear. This is some clips that I video, I mean, I, uh, recorded him while he were in prison, while he's in prison. He's out now, got out in October. But, uh, this was something we did every Wednesday. We used to connect every Wednesday around noon, and I would talk to him for an hour. And at some point, we started recording this, and this is actually our 10th clip. Um, we have 12, and also, again, we hadn't heard number one yet. Uh, so I'm going to start there, let it play a little bit, and then I'm going to stop. And like I said, during the process, if y'all have any questions, please text me at 678-644-4541. All right, so let's see if we can do this now. Here we go. Okay, so what, what were you saying about the reading? What were we talking about, reading or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We was just, uh, yeah, good morning. How you doing? We was talking yeah. about uh, reading application, how you can, I got brothers, I, they'll read, you know. Mm-hmm. He'll read serious materials, and I know a couple other people like that. He got great recall. See, I'm not a person because I've never aimed at that because I, I don't see any point in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I realized that Jeopardy information and, you know, who want to be a millionaire is nothing. Being able to recite it word for word and tell you the exact person that did this and dude's name and all that, keeping up with all the tabloid facts. You see that I read the material in my life because when I executed XYZ and accomplished that, that was the influence of this book I read. This was the influence mm-hmm. of this seminar I heard. This was the influence of this concept that I understood. You know, now, giving you the exact details of it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I not remember everything in the book, but I right. remember what was for me in that season that I executed. That's why I like to reread books because at different times you're different people. You know, you're not going right. to be, you shouldn't be, let's put it like that. I, like I was saying, I read The Tipping Point. I read The Tipping Point almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I just reread it and saw saw things I never saw before because I have new ideas and thoughts and aims in my mind at this point. So what I'm looking for and what I'm being attracted to is different. Uh, This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I was just looking at some notes last night when he was talking about the connectors and the mavens and uh, the people that have your networks, how you build your networks up. I'm going to take that and apply that to those eight criminogenic needs we were talking about and the networks that need to be built up when we reintegrate into society as an illustration for my class that mm-hmm. hopefully this will uh, better explain a point to them because I like taking things from out of books and applying them to things that mean something to my audience. Uh, right. Because they they might be better able to understand reading out the book, or they'll read, understand the concept out of the book, say, okay, I understand the concept. Now, I'm going to tell you how this applies to your life, and then right. you might get an aha moment. So You know, let me uh, tell you something. Um, yeah. That's what Bob Proctor talks about in that series I'm going to send you uh, called Born Rich, and he breaks it down. Okay. That, uh, 
he talks about that the problem was people get taught the how, and that's really not the answer. And he says, you know, he always talks about mindset is really answer, but he says when it comes to the how, what really moves people is how it works. And, see, that's what, that's what you're implementing with them. You're showing them how does this work in your life. How does – if you did this, how – not just I'm doing it, but this is how it should work. This is how it does work. You know what I'm saying? Right. When a person gets that kind of, now it's like a light bulb goes off. Mm-hmm. It becomes real, and then mm-hmm. the importance of learning. That's how you turn a man on. When he learns something new, it becomes real, and it changes his life. He sees the improvement in some shape, form, or fashion in their life because that's mm-hmm. what start doing it for me. That's the difference between when you're growing up and you don't have education and the importance of school anymore. You lose that, that reasoning for going. Mm-hmm. You don't have that reason for educating yourself. When you understand the importance of education, and it's not just about sitting in a classroom and getting some degrees, because who was I talking to yesterday? I can't remember. That has no correlation to success. A whole bunch of people with degrees ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. So, That's true. The, the, the application, like, for instance, I had, like, I, I've, I've been blessed to have some great people come through my life. And really, even with that, you know what I understand? The reason why I've been blessed to have great people come through my life is because I've changed as a person, and I value relationships and I value people. Right. And people were here you're, 20 years you're ago. You attract those I people. Right. 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 I was, I was standoffish. I was ignorant. I didn't know what to say, didn't know what to look for. What I was looking for was work and death. So you say people was always here. Now I see the value in everybody. I've had, like, every bunkie, I have great value, great value, you know, in, in them as a human being and their experience, and I learn from their experience, all varieties. Like, right now i got a hillbilly bunkie. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. You know, I, got, I had a guy, he knew everything about working in factories and, and uh, unions and all the regulations and machines and all that and driving trucks, you know. So one brother I had was a brother from the hood but got a chance to go to a real private school. I'm talking about private school where, like, George Bush and them CNA kids, you know. So he had been exposed to some high-level stuff early on, but he just couldn't put it all together. He would keep, you know, hustling here, hustling there, right. and come up and mess it up because he can't get out the street mentality. But anyway, he explained to me about money. He said, look, man, and this was this was mind-blowing. He said, money is everywhere. And he had me look around. If you look around right now, I don't care where you at. I don't care where you at on the earth. Everything costs something. So that means mm-hmm. a business system. You're looking at business systems. Somebody designed a business system to be able to make a profit. Doing everything. You have one minute remaining. Screws, the paint on the wall, this phone I'm talking on, this paper I'm holding in my hand, this pencil, everything costs somebody something. So everybody, you can make money doing anything. Right. People get so excited about hearing about, oh, man, I know a guy named Mr. Fleming. He got an alpaca farm down in Georgia. He got all these alpacas, man, he a millionaire. That don't mean you're supposed to go run <laughs> and take all your savings and go buy some damn alpacas. Right. That's what he did. You right, know? right. That's what right, he did. Right. Yeah, it's money in our pockets. Right. People sell dirt. It's money in dirt. But right. you. How, so the question is, you, real application, bringing it down to specifics about you and being realistic about what business system you're going to create that's going to make money for you and in what climate it is. You right. Know? And uh, he was breaking down stuff to me, man. That was so simple, but was so mind-blowing. The most simplest stuff is the mind-blowing stuff, but if you're never exposed to it, you don't see it like that. You know, right. people got to change your perspective. Like with Zig Ziglar said, I put on the right glasses on people. You know, I'm, I'm coming to. So uh, 
Thank you for using GTL. All right. Okay. So, so okay. So I'm gonna finally get. Through, I'm gonna get through this. Uh, this program stuff. I'm gonna get through it. Okay. So I know yesterday we uh, left off. I was reading the. Um, I think I got to the objectives. How each class is set up. Um, I do a simple three phase or three perspective focus for each module. Each module, we asking ourselves questions because uh, I like that uh, question message. As you go through life, you should always you should reflect. You should ask yourself questions so that you forcing yourself to think. You force yourself to evaluate yourself, to judge yourself, so that life don't have to judge you so harshly. So I'm going to start off with the builder's objectives. Uh, the influence builders to develop a growth mindset towards accountability, making amends, and pre- and post-community engagement. The three perspectives of questions for all the modules are through the lens of rebuilding myself. How do I take accountability for my decisions and the outcomes they have created? How do I personally participate in making amends? This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. This one here is the, how do I develop a positive relationship with myself? Because it begins with that. If, if you don't have a positive relationship with yourself, you hate yourself, you're in shame and guilt, that's going to reflect in everything that you do. You're going to taint it. Uh, the second... Let me... Let me do this. Go ahead. All right, so I agree totally with the question thing, because I, I love... When I, like I do a presentation, I'd rather end it quickly so I can get the audience to ask, ask questions and get them to talking because a lot of times I believe that presentations don't sell people. I think once you start asking them questions and let them get that out, that's how you find out. But So when you do the questions with them, do you stop and allow them, like you said, what was that question, the first question, about being positive or something? How do I take accountability for my decisions and the outcomes they have created? All right, so do you give them an answer to that, or you let them say how they feel? So, yeah, I do the group discussion, open the uh, floor, the group discussion, and allow. So what, would, what would you say about that, then? How do I say kind of miss my decision and the outcomes they have created? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is, to me, when you make the decision to become better. Accountability, responsibility means not to do it again. It means to become better, not to be sorry. You know, uh, nobody wants you to just keep being sorry. Okay, you're sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I wish I wouldn't have done it. I wish I could go back. That's a cop-out. That's an alibi for inactivity. To say that I did this thing, accountability, I'm taking accountability, I did this thing, and the decisions and the outcomes that it created, I wasn't happy with. So, therefore... I will live like this. I will do this to improve to take the show to my accountability. So so what you're saying is a good example would be, you know, when you were 19, you caused some death. And so now your accountability is to come back and say, I'm putting a program together that's going to help as many people as possible instead of me just keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm Absolutely. sorry. I got to increase human life. My, part, my, my, my goal is to increase human life. You know, that's like my mission statement. My, uh, the total mission statement is to increase human life and everything. That's the, that's the moral. That, that will be the foundational principle, the moral, the thought that goes before every other thought. Am I increasing human life? 
if I do this, if I say this to this brother, if I say this to this sister, am I increasing him? This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Like there's a duality. There's a mindset of death. There's a mindset of life. And do they do they get that, or do they do they debate with you? It's not much debate. I have had very little debate in the basic principles of what I'm saying. Uh, what you get is more so not understanding what accountability is. You get a lot of alibis for inactivity. You get a lot of of people don't understand accountability has nothing to do with what you did on your side. Like for instance, uh me and another person get into an accident. I have, I'm driving one car, they're driving another car. Now the the person in the other car is under the influence. But I'm the one that made the vehicle uh on turn. Right. I'm the, I'm the one that made the mistake. I'm the one mm-hmm. that shouldn't have turned or I tried to push it through the light. Now, lo and behold, this person's under influence. Now, in the legal system, that plays out to, you know, uh, hit tip to tap, whatnot. But in real life, in personal accountability, the builder's module, accountability is I did the wrong. It don't matter if that person was talking now. I'm just not worrying about what the fault of the other person is. That's not accountability. You know, that's what children, that's pointing the finger. Accountability wow. is like we was talking about when you're dealing with women. Well, she said this, and she made me do that, and I did. I wouldn't have done that if she wouldn't have done that. That's not accountability. Right. Because accountability leads to the next question. How do I personally participate in making amends? Not right. tell somebody else about it, keep talking about it. How do I personally participate in making amends? Because if I'm taking accountability, I want to make amends. Like brothers in here that haven't raised their children, I encourage them. I said, you're still a father. Who cares how sorry I ask a father you've been so far? Because this, this father's out there has been with their kids their whole time, and their kids don't judge them as being great fathers. So mm-hmm. don't worry about that, what you were in the past or what you are or what you ain't. Right. Worry about what you're going to be today or what you can be going forward. Because whether your children, you know, will allow you back in their life or not, you're still their father, and you can still be a good father because the best thing, and dude's name is, I, I remember now, I, I couldn't remember what book I read it in. I don't know the name of the book, though. Louis Cicera, or something, Cicera, or whatever. He had a quote in there. The best example you can give somebody is your life working. So if you really want to show, if you cause carnage and damage throughout your life, and you to hurt people, if you really want to show them that you're sorry, if you really want to show them that I'm taking a... This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. If you really want to show them that I've changed, don't keep harping on it. Don't keep begging and telling me, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Get your shit together yep. and become a new creature and walk as a new creature and function as a new creature and create new outcomes. And over time, the Lord will show them, listen, take a look, you know, because your life will improve because you have improved your life. It's your, it's your responsibility. Can't nobody else let you off the hook. You've got to let yourself off the hook. And that was something I had to realize. I was always looking for everybody else to give me an answer, to show me a way, uh, to, to point me in the right direction, to let me off the hook, to give me the magic cure and whatnot. It ain't there. It's inside. So, if you, you know, whatever you've done, because like with my family, I was a horrible person. I was a horrible family member. 
horrible brother, horrible son, horrible whatever else you want to call it, whatever function I had, grandson, I was terrible. So over time, over the course of time, I have shown myself to be a new creature. <clears throat> and the relationships have healed themselves over time. You know, are there bruises, are there scars still there? Is there still some ugliness there? Of course there is. But things have healed themselves and evolved in taking new form and new shape because nothing will be as it was. You know, this ain't no movie. That's the other thing people really like, the utopian society and all that the stuff you see on TV. That's stuff stupid. That's make-believe. That ain't real. Right. Right. You know, life tough. Relationships are even tougher because you're dealing with the relationship with yourself. People got, got hatred for themselves, and then you talk about you trying to be a father and a husband and all that, and you ain't got your own stuff together. You know, the, go ahead. I can imagine you being in the facility there, teaching that class, and how many times you teach it, and all the brothers that's come through there, and you see them in the prison doing nothing. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. You'll say you see them in the prison doing nothing now, even though they left your class, you gave them all that information. I I can imagine that could be like you probably had to get over that because you probably saw that a lot of those guys, and I'm sure some did what you suggested, but some of those guys probably just went through the motion. Well, if you remember, okay, from the beginning, when I spoke of, because I had to see a biblical reason as to why I should even be uh, released. Like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I rationalize taking somebody's life and even fixing my mouth, fixing my heart to say that I want to be physically released from prison? And remember I talked about, uh, Cain and Abel, about about the murderers of the Bible, about Moses, uh, David, about Saul, and about the change of the heart. That was the difference. Cain was kicked out, put a mark on his head, and was forever exiled. Uh, everybody else was shown grace and mercy due to the fact of the change. I'm just going to take Saul. Uh, the New Testament changed to Paul. On the road to the Saul, Saul was killing Christians Christian. in the I name just of God. Yeah. Do you know how? I mean, no. that's why he could tell them, I'm the chief of all sinners. Whatever you've done, trust right. God will forgive you. you got to let yourself off of mentally. you got to mentally and spiritually come to the realization that this word is true and get a new mindset. That's what he was teaching, mindset. This is why mindset is so real, because it's not fake. We were talking about this before the call. This is not some fake gimmick or nothing. Mindset is everything. This is what Jesus was teaching. Mindset. It's, it's right. what you're thinking that's corrupt. What's coming up out of you is everything from your thinking. Your thinking then brought you to whatever place you are in your life. So Saul was teaching a new mindset, and for whatever the reason, Lord decided to use him as a spectacle so that he'd been so far down, this man was killing Christians in the name of God. And then to come to the realization that this is the exact opposite of anything God would have you do is mind-blowing. Right. You know, how else could he reconcile his life other than to preach the gospel and go hard? So that's where I'm at. Like I, like I say, when you take for granted being together, having it halfway together, I had it so untogether, I've done so much 
horrible treachery and wickedness in my life as far as removing a human being from society. That man was a father, a brother, a cousin, a friend, uh, a role model. It was like I said, it might have been a little old lady that he used to shovel her driveway every winter. So when I removed him from society by my actions, I caused this ripple effect of a crumbling and a breaking down of the trust of, of humanity. You know, for everybody, for the whole neighborhood. When you see that stuff on TV, that thing is scary when you hear a man was shot, a man was killed, a woman was murdered, a mother was murdered, a child got hurt. You know, these things bring out fear and they spread death. They spread a mentality of death. That's a ripple effect that I got to take accountability for. So how do I personally participate in making amends? I increase human life in everything I do. Everything I do has to have a system to it, and everything I do has to lead somewhere. I can't just try to do good deeds, activities. I, mean, I can't just be active. I can't just be feeding the homeless one day and doing this over here, and I'm just trying to do good over there. And all. No, 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 no. I took a life. I must increase human life. The ripple effect now that I am causing is a ripple effect of increasing human life. So now to get to your question, because I know how ugly change looks, because I know I was the guy sitting in the back of these classes going to the class because I need a certificate because I think the parole board will care about this. I've been in that state. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I didn't half-ass programs. I didn't half-ass classes. But yet and still, I sat in there and first come by here and hear about a word. So the person that was instructed, they didn't half-ass me. They brought it just like I had value. They showed me value I didn't know I had it myself, even though I didn't value what they were saying. So this is the reason why I keep going on, because I know the executive said it takes 16 times. You have one minute remaining. So if I keep it interesting, if I got to use games, flashcards, funny lights, funny stories, I got to cuss sometimes, rap music, whatever I got to do to bring them in, if I get in there 16 times, they'll hear something. If they hear something, they're going to say heart, and it'll make them think. Oh. If they start thinking about it. If they start thinking about it, we're in trouble. If they start thinking about it, Mr. Simmons, if they start thinking about it, then we're in trouble. We got some But you know, you know what I forgot that you said? That's my, that was my issue. I forgot you said they can come back as many times as they want, so they might just many drop in their in. I got you. Now you're going to eventually get them. Okay. Many times they want. Whenever they want. Whatever day they want. If they, I tell you, you can't be late. You can't be late. If it's five minutes, in that, that, that five minutes, you might. that's all you need. You ain't need to hear me run my mouth for Mother Smith. Right. You know, because the goal is to get it in their ears. Because if they get it in their ears, they might think about it. If you start thinking about it, not just being exposed to it, but when you take it to your pillow at night, when it wake you up at 3 in the morning. And you- Thank you for using GTL. Uh, okay. Hey, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Do, do, you, <laughs> do you walk around the prison when you, I mean, when you walking around, do you do like uh the preachers that walk through the neighborhood, hey, brother, I ain't seen you in my class in a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just no, no, you don't no, say no. that to them. you just like, okay. No. Yeah, I got you. No. no, I speak to them. Some people, some people I had class that I don't speak to. Some I do speak to. I do because the whole, the way I designed this, this is why it took me a while to get it right, to get it to define what I needed to, you know, what was me. It had to be real. Everything had to be real. Builders is my life. Like, all these modules are personal to me. They have, I have learned these things and applied these things personally in my life. I don't need no paper to come off of 
to uh, present these things. This ain't something that I took out of a book. I think it might be slick. If I took it out of a book, that means I, I use it in my real life so I can take you through the application of it and why I support um, and how it changed me and how it's changed others. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. I'll tell you something. The consistency of my life working, I used to be known as the sports person. They knew if they saw me walking, I was going to direct. I was going to play basketball, watch basketball, coach basketball. They saw me, they knew I knew all the fantasy football stats. I know who leading in touchdowns, who leading, who do best rushing defense, who should I play this week. That was what I was known for. That was my rep. That was my identity. That was my false identity I had built up. So I took all those, like I said, all those platforms that were used in sports. And when given the opportunity and the time in the season of my life to start dealing with real stuff, and I took the janitorial apprenticeship, went through the Edwards Culinary Institute, uh, learned culinary skills, learned, get my, got my serve safe, uh, got in a position to be able to lead men. Uh, started taking uh, serious class, started taking personal speaking well. Being able to stand up in front of eight men who don't want to hear what you got to say and tell them, don't do this, don't do that, and coaching got me prepared for leadership. Like I said, all those things was necessary. So my whole life I've been preparing, unbeknownst to myself, for what I was really supposed to do. Uh, so I don't have to tell nobody nothing. I'm showing them my life working. Every day, I'm serious. I was the person in the middle when they shut everything down, was still running around with envelopes and folders and on the phone, and dudes told me, like two or three days, I said, Big, it's shut down. They ain't letting nobody in no more. Your class shut down. Your program shut down. I said, thank you. That's all I would tell them, thank you. And see, that would throw them off. It was like, thank you. What you mean, thank you? Thank you. You know, and I keep going. I keep moving. Keep progressing. It's shut down. They ain't going to let you do that. Remember I told you. When I told, when I, when I, when the Lord showed me, he said, man, you've been through this thing, and you know how them kids feel. Like, you know exactly what's going on. When y'all see them 16-year-olds in them court, in them courtrooms, they got them shot, I know exactly what they're thinking in their mind. I know exactly why they're killing each other. He said, you got to help these kids. you got to figure out it. you got to figure out how to do it. I thought I would be doing it on the streets. I thought I was going to get out last time on my parole. That was a clear call on my life. I knew that. And I thought I was going to get out. And when I didn't, I had to go back and rumble with the Lord. So we had to have a long talk, tears, crying, and everything. Because I was like, you ain't let me out. So what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And my focus had to change. He said, nigga, I ain't supposed to let you. You got to let yourself out. Figure it out. Do it. And I did. I'm doing it. Was the program started? Had you already nope. started the program? Nope. Nope. I was waiting to get out. Everything, when I get out, I'm going to do this. When I get out, I'm going to do that. When I get out, I'm going to do this. Nope. No, the three years, the best, the best three years of my life. So he said, wow. figure it out. I'm like, I'm in jail. Figure it out. His answer came back to say, do it. Wow. That's so okay. you had no intentions of doing it here. You, you, uh, there, you, you know, you're going to get out. So, so when you started there, that probably was the best thing anyway. So Exactly. When, yeah. Do it. If you can't do it where they sick and said, this is the sickest place in the world. If you can't do it here, you ain't going to do it nowhere. Right. So do it. Do it. You said you're going to do it. Do it. That was the answer. Do it. 
So then all the support system I thought I had, like I said, my father. Uh, this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. The season, but then boom, everything blew up. My father died. That's what I said, like, listen, you want too much. I don't want to talk to you no more. Okay. Uh, brother, hey, my life is heavy, and I ain't got nothing for you. Okay. All right. Do it. Just figure it out. Problem solver. So, and, and I had to grow up. I had to grow up. Like, if I would have got out, I would have been all right. I would have been all right. I, I would have done all right. And I probably would have figured some things out, but I think it would have been, it would have cost me a lot more on the street. Might have cost me a lot more years, time, money, energy, stress. Uh, the things I figured out here, and when I changed my mindset, God, when I changed how I thought about it, how I looked at it, and stopped making it about trying to get a parole and making it about this is my life mission, this is my life goal, this is who I am, everything started changing because everything looked different. Every conversation sounded different. You know, I started looking different to people. People started looking different to me. So seeing my life and most of my life working, I'm a serious person. And people come to me, they come to me with serious things. Because rule number one, if somebody comes with some dumb stuff, I just ignore them. I can't remember where I learned that at. I think it's a, a proverb or something in the Bible. But I've noticed that when somebody comes with some foolish stuff, I never answer them. You know, ignoring, ignoring foolishness is the quickest way because they, you know what you're doing? You're training them. I'm training you how to talk to me. And you know what'll happen? They'll say some dumb stuff, some dumb stuff. And next time they say, hey, how you doing, Big? How you doing, Louis? They call me Big here. So, how you doing, Louis? How you doing, Big? I'm doing fine. How you doing, man? Okay. Yeah, okay. So, what you got going on? All right. So, I'm training you how to talk to you. See, if I answer you according to your, that's what it is. Answer a fool. What is it? Answer a, cool, a fool not according to his folly, but answer a fool according to his folly and whatnot. And I realized that's silent. That's not answering them at all because now me, you feel stupid. Give me some dumb stuff they must say. Just, just foolishness. Just, just grown man, 12-year-old foolishness. Like, okay, um, like right now I'm up here sitting talking on the phone. I'm talking about something, and everything I'm talking about is serious because I increase human life. Everything mm-hmm. is important. I don't do frivolous things. So it ended to come and tell me some, uh, hey, you know, I make the playoffs. I give them a look. And I keep on doing what I'm doing. I ignore them. They know right. about it. They know that you you have done something foolish. That's right. foolishness. That's yeah. foolishness. That's fake. I don't know no Browns. I don't care nothing about them. That's right, right. the other day. I root right. for the Lewises. I'm in my own Super Bowl. I root for the Lewises. I don't root for Lamar. I don't root for Ed. Right. None of them. I root for me. Right. I'm the GM, the coach, the water boy, the biggest fan, the groupie. I'm all of it. <laughs> I'm they probably like. They probably like. Hey, you didn't. You didn't train. You didn't change on us, man. You can't do that. You know. You, and, I, and that's what it was. And that's what it. And you know what? It's been a lonely road. Change is a lonely road. Woo, it's lonely. And that's. And I think that is one of the biggest fears because it's a killing of our old identity. And all that identity, all your networks are tied to identity. However raggedy your networks are, whatever you think about them, all your networks, your whole life, everybody that know you, know you as that guy. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem, like, when you stop drinking, you stop getting high, you stop doing whatever the behavior is that you stop doing, is that everybody know you as this guy. So now the mm-hmm. question is, who am, who am I going to be? You know, right. who am I going to be now? Because you, now are, you, 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 really, you, you really have to, you know, kind of separate. I always tell the story that, you know, at 28 is when I started reading all these mindset and thought-provoking books. And then, you know, I would hang out with my partners at the 
at a restaurant or something, and and I start talking, and they be looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm talking about goals and dreams, and they be like, man, you killing my high with that. And then you know they start they start with that foolishness that we used to talk about. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility, and may be recorded and monitored. And when they start with that foolishness we used to talk about, I'm like, I don't I don't have time to sit here for that. So I got to go, man, because we both we both are kind of were going different ways now. So there's no use to even having this conversation. Exactly. And if you, you know. wasting your time, you wasting mine. Exactly. Because yeah. you you create the environment, you build the environment, you are changing the atmosphere, and don't nobody want you around. This yeah. is the reason why the prophets, the men of God, when they came in, they put you on notice. They didn't have to say nothing. Just be in there. Your your presence there because they know you're not approving of none of this because you don't do none of this. I'm not <laughs> yeah. partaking of none of your food. Right, right, right. I tell the guys, I said, look, if y'all still hang around your friends and relatives and all that, you ain't changed because when you change, exactly. you don't, you're not going to want to do that. You can't do it no more. You know what I'm saying? You it can't. It's not that you don't like them. It's just that your conversation is not the same anymore. You can't even, I mean, they're still cool with you in your life. You still love them. But you can't, you, you know, you're going two different ways now. Your thought process is different. And so they don't relate to what you're saying. You don't relate to what they're saying. What they're saying and so you kind of move on. Absolutely. Um, something I, I'm taking the 12 Steps class. Brother here teaching the uh, 12 Steps class. Mm-hmm. And I learned something that I had experienced but didn't know. And that's the other thing I learned about life is that I've experienced some things in my change but didn't know why I was doing what I was doing or where it came from. So when I became sober, March 7, 2002, I've been sober since March 7, 2002. So I started, this is how all my hobbies started. And he was breaking down about identity and about how when you stop doing this thing, you have to find things to do, and you'll start just trying things. Mr. Lemon, I have been a cardiologist, spades, being with all day. I started playing because uh, they got born. I started, what's the other one, with the double deck, with the rubber, the peanuts, what was it? I, uh, whatever it is, I think it was peanuts mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I, no, bridge. That's what I started. I started learning bridge. I did. I was a Scrabble master. I was scrabbling all day. I was a chess master. I was getting chess books and reading them and all this. Uh, I've been the, the basketball king. I was the basketball all day, sports all day, football wizardry. All. And what I was doing is looking for identity, looking for my can, looking for my pine. Now, over the course of time, my personality was always there, and I was reading these books. I was taking these cognitive behavior programs with the ODRC. I was experiencing some things. I was going through a change. I was maturing and getting older, not just in age, but in my thoughts and my mind. Uh, and I remember when I was in my late 20s when I made a decision, and I still, I know it was the influence of the things that, was, that were around me and something I heard, but I can't detail and tell you what the influence exactly was, what was the snap, what snapped this, um, other than the passing of my grandfather, and the birth of my nephew. I don't have any kids. And this was my first, my sister that's under me, she had my nephew. And those two things, what they symbolized to me, what they meant to me, because usually that wouldn't have meant much of nothing, you know. It meant, I told myself, I said, man, i got to grow up. Now, I didn't know exactly how to do that, but I said, i got to force myself to be an adult now because I felt the responsibility. I said, i got a nephew, and I don't want him to look at me and think that my lifestyle I'm living is cool. I got to do better. 
And I said, my grandfather did. And I said, so, and it happened like at the same, I think it was in the same month or something, within the same month. It was just, it meant something. It was weird. And I started mm-hmm. thinking, start thinking, Lord have mercy. I started, it started worrying me. Every day was my thought. Everywhere I go, I would be praying, I'd be thinking about it. I'd be, it was in the back of my mind, in the front of my mind. I was thinking, I've got to get older. I've got to force myself to grow up. Because if, in prison, being 19, coming to prison, and I'm 42 now, if you don't force yourself to grow up, yeah. if you don't force yourself to grow up, because when I came to prison, I wasn't 19. I was really more probably like 12. So This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Been 12 at 42. Right now, I'd be 12. We wouldn't be having this conversation because I wouldn't even know any of these things we're talking about. I would, life wouldn't even look this way. And that's what I see in here. Men have atrophy. They have, they've, they're stuck. And that's what, see, that's what drugs and alcohol do to you, too. If you start getting high and drunk at a certain age, you emotionally stop growing at that age. So you're talking to a brother that's been getting high. At you have one minute remaining. And they was talking about they've been getting high and knocked, knocked out drunk since 8 and 10. Dropped out of school in, you know, 7th grade. Uh, been in and out of the juvenile system. And now they're doing 20-something years. You know, they got an uphill battle. It's not a battle that can't be fought. But it's a lot there. So you got to be patient with them. you got to be slow with them because the process of change is a slow, painful process. It's painful, too. That's the other thing. It's painful. It's lonely. It's ugly. It ain't easy. It ain't easy at all. Especially right. when you're coming from that far back in the race, you know. Right. Now, it's different. You're dealing with a dude, okay, you start crashing out, you was 23, but you got all the other stuff. You got a little college. You, you know, you went through the natural thing. Yeah, your race might not be as hard, but most brothers' race is hard. That's why I don't look for them for class. You know, I ain't going, you know, trying to hold it over their head or not, and I'm, I'm trying to be as patient as I can. Try to be as patient as I can. So I know the process is ugly, it's hard, it's long, it's strenuous. You want to give up. Because you don't have nothing, to, you don't got no tool. Thank you for using GTL. And you couple all that. All right, I'm gonna stop right there today, uh, and we'll pick back up on that some other time. That was clip number ten. Um, hold on one second. Yeah, that was clip number ten. I think we heard uh, the first forty-five. Uh, minutes of that. Um, let's see. I didn't get any questions, but I got a comment. So I love these interviews you have with Mr. Fields. There are so many things to comment on about how many inmates' mindsets does he think has actually changed by seeing their actions due to his influence. Uh, I will ask him that. He's not on, uh, but we'll ask him that and see if we can get that answer. Uh, due to his influence, um, how many has changed? It's a good question. So I will ask him that. Like I said, I, man, my voice is gone. It's like uh, in and out <clears throat> so bad today. I'm not even going to the gym, so you know how must be something wrong. This guy's not even going to the gym. Sinus headaches. But the show must go on.